Hello to you and welcome to the weekend edition of Coin Market Recap. It's Connor and a food poisoned Molly Jane <laughs> here with you looking at the week's headlines. How are you, by the way? What's happened? I don't, I don't trust the oat milk at Starbucks anymore. I was trying to be fancy and have a fun little drink. <laughs> I didn't and... think oat milk could make you unwell like this. I thought normal milk could, but not oat the, milk. The thing is, I'm a whole milk drinker. Like, mm. I will wake up and have a glass of whole milk. I love it. And I think that I should never have tried the alternative. I think I, I need to stick only to whole milk. <laughs> I hate milk, I hate dairy, and I never get food poisoning. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, I, I can't give up my whole milk. How, how else will my hair and nails grow so strong, Connor? What I've always been taught. My hair and nails are fine. I've got voluptuous hair. Thank you very Actually, much. Actually, you, you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up on today's show, we're going to be discussing Tesla selling 70 25% of its Bitcoin holdings. We'll also discuss a former Coinbase employee who has now been charged with insider trading of cryptocurrencies and Minecraft banning non-fungible tokens. Give our show a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Molly J. Zuckerman and at Connor Sefton. This week's Crypto Headlines. So, Molly Jane, do you think you're going to be able to battle through this episode? <laughs> oh, I'm so ready. I literally have Pepto-Bismol, Coca-Cola, sparkling water. <laughs> Hang on. Is, is Pepto-Bismol like Mentos? Like, if you mix Pepto-Bismol and Coca-Cola, are you not just going to erupt? <laughs> is that the same thing? Does it have the same reaction? You mean like in like as I'm drinking it, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna co in, internally combust. I guess we're gonna find out over the course of this podcast if you hear a loud noise. <laughs> what actually does happen to you if you have Mentos and Mentos and Coca Cola at the same time? Is it dangerous? Someone must I, have tried this. I think nothing because I've definitely done the Mentos and the Coke bottle experiment, but you do have to shake it up quite a bit. Oh. So I imagine you'd have to eat it. And then drink it jump and then kind of like jump up and down for a bit and roll around. And I just think that by that time, it would all sort of be in a place that wouldn't uh, be touchable. Complete segue. You don't want to talk about this right now, but I feel I'll have to mention it. Did you ever watch that video of that guy who bought a bottle of Crystal Pepsi? And it was like 30 years old. It was a type of Pepsi that they don't make anymore. That was like see-through. And he thought, right, it's 30 years old. I'm going to drink it. And he drank it, and the results were predictable. Um, but have you, did you ever see that video? You know what? I never have, and I can say confidently that I never will. <laughs> I think I'm a sadist because I really enjoyed watching that guy suffer. What, what an idiot. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. Not for me. Okay. Well, let's go back to safer territory for you, um, and we'll talk about the benefits of oat milk. No, we won't. We'll talk about <laughs> Tesla selling 75% of its Bitcoin holdings and making quite a hefty loss in doing so. They got $936 million in return for all of this Bitcoin. Molly Jane, was this expected? It wasn't expected by no. me. No, no it seems to come it, out of the blue. It came completely out of left field. It was actually one of those tweet aggregators that picked mm -hmm. it up or that's how mm -hmm. i saw it yeah and there are so many fake ones 
that yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went about my day and a few hours or whatever amount of time later, then it sort of hit the news cycle. Yeah. So I felt a little bad that we didn't try to break that because I definitely saw it very early. I just thought it was a joke. Yeah. So this related, the disclosure was made in their results for the second quarter of 2022. And if you do read these quarterly reports, thrilling bedtime reading, let me tell you that. Um, every quarter, Tesla does offer an update on how its Bitcoin's performing. It has to do. And oftentimes in recent quarters, we've seen that they've had an impairment loss, which relates to how much their Bitcoin has fallen. They have to disclose this, even if the, what the loss is, even if they're not planning to sell it. They have said that they blamed the decision to sell this Bitcoin on the fact that profits have been dragged down. And the reason profits have been dragged down was related to the COVID-induced shutdown of a gigafactory in Shanghai. Obviously, China, with its zero COVID policy, has been really aggressive in trying to make sure that COVID doesn't spread. Let's hear from Elon Musk now what he said on an earnings call about the decision to sell this Bitcoin. We are certainly open to uh, increasing our Bitcoin holdings in future. Um, so this should not be taken as some uh, verdict on Bitcoin. Uh, it's just that uh, uh, we were concerned about overall liquidity for the company given COVID shutdowns in China. And we have not sold any of our Dogecoin. So two questions from me, Molly Jane. Firstly, he says that the sale shouldn't be taken as a verdict on Bitcoin. Do you think the rest of the market will see it this way? Well, it didn't lead to a huge market downturn, mm. which is what normally, well, normally is such a strong word, which is what has been known to happen whenever a whale makes a big sale. And I would argue that Tesla was a whale in a sense. Yeah, I mean, two things to mention there. So the average price per coin when Tesla sold off its Bitcoin was $29,000 or thereabouts. So it's quite clear that it sold off quite a long time ago. The other thing I'd mention is I, I was also surprised that Bitcoin didn't fall aggressively. I thought it would have done when this announcement was made. It stayed above $23,000, but surely the news, the, the news that Tesla, one of the first companies on the stock market to buy Bitcoin in substantial numbers had sold it off. I thought Bitcoin would have freaked out at that. Well, the thing is, what I, my, what my first reaction was is that Elon needed some money in case yeah. the sale of Twitter is forced through. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that has any merit in it. But what I think, at least in the public mentality, is the Elon versus Twitter saga is so loud and so in your face and so continuing mm. that I really think that people won't necessarily jump to the conclusion that Elon now hates Bitcoin. I think they'll jump to the conclusion I thought, which is like, uh-oh, this billionaire needs even more billions. Yeah, buy this company he no longer wants to buy. I think you're conflating two different things here because I don't think the sale of Tesla's Bitcoin relates to the Twitter drama because, of course, this is the company's cash. And they did say that they were concerned about Tesla's liquidity. So I don't think that's got anything to do with Twitter. Of course, we don't know, Molly Jane, whether or not Elon Musk has sold off his own personal investment in Bitcoin. We're assuming 
he is still holding on to it. He hasn't said anything to suggest that he sold that. No, he hasn't. And you're right, I was conflating, but I think mm. my point is that everyone else will be conflating too. Yes. Now, the other question I had in relation to that clip of Elon Musk I just played, he says, we're certainly open to increasing our Bitcoin holdings in future. Do you really think that Tesla will actually actively invest in Bitcoin again? Because as you um, said in when we were discussing our plans for this podcast, you said that Tesla and Bitcoin never really made any sense anyway. No, because everything that they seem to do with Bitcoin did not seem very well thought through. Mm. Uh, you know, I, as a crypto skeptic, I definitely understand the issues with cryptocurrencies and blockchains and NFTs. And I have strong opinions backed by evidence about why I do and do think things are good or bad. Mm -hmm. Tesla accepted Bitcoin, which was implicitly, if not explicitly, sort of a thumbs up to the whole Bitcoin ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then very soon after, Elon said, uh, actually, environmental concerns, never mind. And that just seems like, you know, where's the due diligence? Where's the research? You make these big decisions, you should be doing it for a reason. And mm -hmm. now the fact they sold at a loss during... A random time to sell. I mean, yes, yeah. I do think their reasons for selling were probably valid. They probably have lost money with the factory closure. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't know. I just I think there's been so much flip flopping that yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they bought a billion Bitcoin tomorrow. And I wouldn't be surprised if they never bought Bitcoin ever again. They're unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah, they are unpredictable. I mean, to be honest, with the environmental concerns that caused Elon Musk to say we're not going to accept Bitcoin as a payment method anymore, I think he was feeling pressure there, potentially potentially from the government, because of course Tesla's been in receipt of lots of um, government funding because of how it champions electric vehicles, environmentally friendlier vehicles, and they want American consumers to buy these vehicles and to give American investors incentives to do so. But of course, given the fact that there have been allegations that Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, um, that's not very compatible with Tesla's image as an eco-friendly company that's taking on the gas guzzlers. So perhaps there might have been a discussion saying, listen, Elon, um, if you want Tesla to continue being in receipt of these government grants, you need to stop investing in a cryptocurrency that isn't environmentally friendly. There might have been an external factor that caused him to act here. Oh, definitely. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. It just mm. seems like that could have been considered in advance. Yeah, but overall, it's been a very tempestuous relationship, a very dramatic relationship. And I think many in the crypto space ended up getting tired of Elon Musk and Tesla getting involved in Bitcoin. So I think in some cases, the reaction to this news might have been, well, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest, though. Michael Saylor um, tweeted about this and I've got to it, it did make me laugh. Because uh, what, what Michael Saylor wrote was, if you sell 75% of your Bitcoin, you will only have 25% of your Bitcoin left. <laughs> so, yes, Michael. Yes. yes. That, that, that would follow. Um, so clearly, Michael Saylor's not impressed by um, Tesla's decision. But of course, they have an entirely different approach, didn't they? Because Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy are just like, we're going to 
raise as much debt as possible to buy as much Bitcoin as possible. And Tesla's obviously taken a much more <laughs> cautious approach. Well, yeah, because Tesla is a green energy oriented company and MicroStrategy is a different company <laughs> that mm. does something else, whatever <laughs> it is that they do. Business intelligence. Mm, mm -hmm. Whatever that means. Uh, beats me. <laughs> I don't actually know what they do either. Something to do with computers. I sound like my grandma now. No, no <laughs> offense to my grandma, but it's something to do with computers. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll move on. And this is a rather chunky story. And we're talking about Coinbase, where a former employee has been charged with the insider trading of cryptocurrencies. Charges have been brought by the US Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission. And in terms of the DOJ, this is actually the first time that they've brought insider trading charges related to crypto, if I'm not mistaken. So here's what's happened. Effectively, there was a man called Ishan Wahi who worked as a product manager at Coinbase and two other people have also been charged. Now, it's alleged that Ishan Wahi was actually involved in the highly confidential process of deciding which currencies, cryptocurrencies, would be added to Coinbase and when. So we had detailed and advanced knowledge of when listings would happen. He apparently gave heads up to his brother and a friend of his who's a business associate to let them know when a cryptocurrency was going to be listed. And apparently they collectively made $1.5 million worth of gains. Molly Jane, this is not a good look for Coinbase. However, at this point, I should mention, they would say that they were actively involved in bringing these men to justice. There's two things. The first thing, I will say that this is not the first time that insider trading allegations have swirled around Coinbase. You know, way back four years ago in 2018, mm -hmm. when there was the Bitcoin Cash fork and then Bitcoin Cash was listed on Coinbase, there mm -hmm. were allegations that Coinbase employees were insider trading with the knowledge of when that listing would take place. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I am calling out Coinbase here, but I do think that every exchange that has that information has had these sort of issues in the past, whether they've been proven true or not. Um, my second point was that it's fascinating that the DOJ's indictment actually cited Kobe, who is a very popular cryptocurrency personality on Twitter with over 700,000 followers, mm -hmm. who is the one, or hypothetically is the, the first one to find the Ethereum address mm -hmm. that was that belonged to these employees. Of course, these are all allegations. This is going to go to a trial. But according to the Department of Justice, there were at least 14 occasions when um, Ishan Wahi tipped off these two men. And it's believed that they dealt in 25 different currencies. And what is a bit nefarious here is it seems like the two men he was tipping off, that's his brother, Nikhil, and a business associate called Samir Ramani, they apparently used multiple techniques to conceal their identities, using accounts at ex other exchanges under different people's names, creating new wallets with no transaction histories. So on the face of it, 
prosecutors do seem to be suggesting that they knew what they were doing was wrong and they were trying to take steps to conceal what they were doing as well. I am surprised that it took them as long to get caught as it did Mm. because the whole point of blockchain is everything is traceable. So yeah, they could make different accounts under different names, but only for so long. Yeah. You know, only for I so I mean, long. all of these allegations are pretty recent. So this is linked to between August 2021 and May of this year. And apparently what had happened is Ishan Wahi, the Coinbase employee at the time, um, was told to attend an in-person meeting with Coinbase's Director of Security Operations about the listing process on May the 16th. But the evening before he purchased a one-way flight to India. And before his flight was due to leave, he falsely told other Coinbase employees he'd left the country. And he shared screenshots about an investigation that Coinbase had begun with the two accomplices he had. And because he'd done all of this before he was on the plane, law enforcement officers um, arrested him before he could board the flight. Well, why would he do that? I don't know. It's all it's all <laughs> very murky, isn't it? But they've arrested and charged two of them. Apparently, Samir Romani, the business associate, he is still on the run as per the Department of Justice. So there's still a bit of work to do there. But I love the quotes from the attorney generals and the lawyers in these press releases. They always are so braggadocious and full of bravado and u.s attorney general damian williams was like today's charges are a further reminder that web3 is not a law-free zone <laughs> you know they're really chuffed with themselves for what they've yeah, done they, here i mean it's not a law-free zone mm. it's not the wild west yes but as I've said, Coinbase, very keen to stress that they've been involved in working with law enforcement to make this happen. And they've said that they are determined to make sure that there's a level playing field where everyone has access to the same information. And they say that they proactively monitor for illegal activity and investigate alleged misconduct. But there was another thing I wanted to talk to you about, Molly Jane, related to this, because it isn't just the Department of Justice that have brought charges here. It's also the Securities and Exchange Commission. And there was a really interesting element in their court filing in which they said that at least nine digital assets listed on Coinbase are securities. Now, this seemed to be a bit of a bombshell, um, and they're saying, the SEC saying that these nine assets that are apparently securities, they are AMP, Derivadex, DFX Finance, LCX, Chromatica, Powerledger, Rally, Rari or Rari Governance to- Token, and XYO. It just seems a very random time for the SEC to pick this particular battle. It does. And Coinbase, I believe, has made a statement saying we support the DOJ investigation and are cooperating, Mm. but we think that this other issue 
it's sort of wrong place, wrong time. And also exactly. they're not, they're not securities. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's exactly what they've said. So I've got the statement here. Coinbase have said that no assets listed on our platform are securities and the SEC charges are an unfortunate distraction from today's appropriate law enforcement action. So like you say, they clearly think it's the wrong time, wrong place. But a wider point that Coinbase executives are making and their chief legal officers making is that when the SEC makes statements like this, they see this as clear evidence that the US doesn't have a clear or workable regulatory framework for digital asset securities. And there aren't very many clear rules um, surrounding who's in charge of cryptocurrencies. And um, it's a very splintered atmosphere, isn't it? Because you've got some regulatory bodies who are in charge of certain cryptocurrencies, depending on their classification. It's all very messy. It is all very messy. This proves how messy it is. <laughs> yeah. Definitely um, proves how messy it is. Yeah. And it's also a bit awkward as well for the nine uh, crypto projects that are named because some of them, Chromatica, I believe, being one of them, actually ended up making statements on Twitter, distancing themselves from this insider trading case because they must feel that they're now being dragged into this uh, case and making it seem like they had a hand in the insider trading when, as far as they're concerned, they didn't. Yeah, no, it, it's it's strange. Strange timing. I wouldn't have picked this timing as a slight PR marketing uh, role, you know, human. I wouldn't have picked this timing. Yeah, it is all very unusual. But what is even more confusing is there's no sign from the SEC of whether they're going to apply pressure on Coinbase to stop listing these assets. It's just like they've mentioned it. And I, there's, no, it's, it's, there's no clear... By like, are the we, way. Yeah, but are, are the SEC going to pressure Coinbase to delist these assets? Like, what's the point in mentioning it? It just seems very random. That seems incredibly random. Um, and of course, the SEC have taken action against Coinbase before. They played an instrumental role in stopping Coinbase from launching its Lend product, I believe. Oh, yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, um, they did. Well, obviously, you know, Lend products aren't the most popular uh, topic right now in the crypto industry. But there you go. <laughs> Just they as I mentioned there. They are not. They are not. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Obviously, there's no indication yet about when any trial will begin. But the three men all face 20 years in prison, up to 20 years in prison, if they end up being convicted. So it's a very serious offence that they've been accused of. I mean, it's inc it's incredibly serious and it's probably going to set a precedent for what will unfortunately be more cases in the future of insider trading at exchanges because it just seems yeah. that people, their morals, you know, not what they used to be, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what's, uh, I've probably said this before on this podcast, it does fascinate me how we are seeing increasingly a number of cases brought related to crimes that happened years ago. I mean, criminals may think that they can get away with things at the time, but there's no guarantees that law enforcement won't come knocking a few years later. I was writing on Friday about a man who was convicted 
over a coin that was offered to the public between 2014 and 2017. Oh, so that was my like goodness. five years yeah. ago. And then, of course, you saw that terrible rapper Heaven Morgan and her husband charged over their role in the Bit for Next Hack in 2016. You know, the law enforcement might be a few years behind, but they will catch up with people, it seems. Yeah, F. I, I do think it is always interesting how long it takes law enforcement to catch up but maybe now that they understand crypto better the cases will start sort of rolling in on a on a quicker quicker cadence no that's a good point i do think they'll get quicker around it and to be fair with this coinbase case they were pretty quick because apparently the alleged crimes were taking place until may this year so it was only two months ago yeah um so yeah, so that's that's one to watch, and obviously we'll bring you more on that as and when it comes in. And last but not least, Molly Jane, Minecraft. What's going on with Minecraft? So Minecraft has categorically banned any use or third-party use or any tangential use of NFTs and the Minecraft sandbox gaming platform. Mm-hmm. I mused about this this week for our newsletter because I have covered a lot of naysayers about crypto in the past. You know, Charlie Munger calling it Bitcoin is rat poison squared. It's like trading in babies' brains. It's that it's ruining the environment or NFTs or Ponzi schemes. Those always struck me as very silly statements. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, silly, fear-mongering, newsworthy, quotable statements. But this Minecraft article, with a few exceptions I'll talk about later, they said that they don't want Minecraft to have anything that's separated with the haves and the Mm have-nots. And that the very idea of an NFT as being a non-fungible token that is exclusive and has properties that is only equal to one person is against the ethos and the culture of the Minecraft gaming ecosystem. And they just don't think it belongs. And... I think that's a refreshingly honest reason to not want NFTs to be a part of their gaming network that on the surface of it is ripe for NFT development, you know? Yeah, well, I've got to be honest. I read this statement and it's very hard to disagree with what they're saying because they're worried about these external NFT providers potentially pulling the rug on um, the users, the collectors of these NFTs. And also they're saying that there's a lot of speculative pricing and an investment mentality around NFTs. And in their eyes, it takes the process, uh, it takes the focus away from playing the game and encourages profiteering. And they say it's inconsistent with the long-term joy and success of players. I think that in many cases, the NFTs that have been adding to games um, that the NFTs that have been um, added to games don't add a lot in terms of gameplay and experience. Um, and so I, I, I do take Minecraft's point on here and I do get as well the very violent reaction that sometimes gamers have had when they've been told that the popular game that they play is adding NFTs. I get the reluctance. No, I, I, I do. And I, and I really do fully appreciate their honest answer and they're not, you know, exaggerating the mm. dangers. The one thing I did have issue with, which, which I hadn't, which I hadn't fully read when I wrote this musing, 
was their definition of an NFT. All right. Which I just, you know, I wish they had got someone else to rewrite this for them in a little bit more of a knowledgeable way because they write, an NFT is a unique non-editable digital token that is part of a blockchain and often purchased with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. So all of those parts together are true, but putting them together in that way to define an NFT is not the best. I mean, first of all, you're really buying very few NFTs with Bitcoin. You're buying them with Ethereum. You're buying them with Solana. Um, also, calling it part of a blockchain is not my favorite way. Often purchased like alongside other cryptocurrencies or purchased with them. It, it, it could have been done better. Do you agree? Uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, it didn't particularly bother me. I think that the way I read that sentence, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, for people who know nothing about NFTs, I think they're using Bitcoin as an example because it's the best known cryptocurrency. Completely take your point that really NFTs aren't bought with Bitcoin. But I get the rationale behind them mentioning Bitcoin. Um, part of a blockchain, I see your point there. But overall, I thought it was a pretty nifty definition. <laughs> it was and like I, I, six out of ten. Yeah, but they rightly point out later on in that definition that oftentimes it's digital art like JPEGs and the NFT states the ownership of the data file. But like with any digital file, the file can be copied, moved or deleted. Um, and that's a real problem because while you've got an NFT that proves the ownership, the actual content is often hosted on centralized platforms such as Amazon Web Services. Very rarely you get NFT content that's stored on the blockchain itself because the Ethereum blockchain certainly doesn't have capacity to do that right now. No, of course not. But that isn't the reason they're against them. Mm. You know, they're not against them because they're too centralized. They're against them because they're too um, exclusionary and profiteering. No, but I mean, that is part of the reason why they're against them because they're worried that innocent Minecraft gamer will buy an NFT and let's say, for instance, it is a, a JPEG or a GIF and it's an NFT and they've spent a pretty penny to have it and they've got the certificate of ownership and then the owner moves the actual source file of the content and they can't access it anymore. You know, Minecraft could be on the hook saying, I bought this Minecraft NFT and I can't access it anymore. Even though Minecraft had nothing to do with it, because it's released under their name, it causes them problems. That's true. No, that is true. Mm. So, yeah. So it's interesting to see that we're going to have NFTs associated with any in-game content on Minecraft, including skins, worlds, persona items, other mods. They're banned. Blockchain technologies banned as well. However, they are keeping the door open here. And they've said that if blockchain technology can be more secure, practical and inclusive, they may revisit this decision in the future. Do you think that that's fair? Do you think that it's the case that blockchain technology isn't secure, practical and inclusive right now? I think it is secure. Mm. I think it is practical if you want to make a play to earn game. I don't think it's practical for Minecraft if they don't want people to not get distracted by earning money and want to focus on gameplay, then it wouldn't make any practical application sense. Mm. Uh, what was the first one? 
Um, secure, practical, and inclusive. Oh, inclusive. Well, it depends. We've definitely talked before about how the high prices for many of the most popular NFT collections mm -hmm. is the opposite of inclusive because the whole point yeah. is you're special enough, you're lucky enough, you're rich enough, you got the right airdrop at the right time to be yeah. included. Mm -hmm. um, and even the smaller NFT collections where NFTs sell for less than a dollar, the whole point is still exclusivity as opposed to inclusivity. So Yeah. I mean, I think as well, my issue with play-to-earn games specifically, and some NFTs, not all NFTs, but it relates to something that a gentleman, and forgive me, I've forgotten his name now, but he was speaking during CoinMarketCap's The Capital Conference, and he was talking about metaverses. And he said that the problem with metaverses is they're not creating content, quality content that will drive everyday consumers to come and visit the metaverse. Oftentimes, the quality of the content is actually pretty terrible. And I would extend that to play-to-earn games. I've had to play play-to-earn games for work before, and I found the gameplay frustrating, the user experience terrible. And I'm like, why would anybody in their right mind prefer to use this over something like, you know, a Nintendo Switch? And, you know, the same thing with NFTs. Oftentimes, they just... The, the, they don't really match up to their price tags. I don't think the technology is getting there, but the content is really far behind. I, I think this must have been William Quigley from Wax who said this. No, I don't think no. it was. I think it was, oh. a, it, was a, it was a gentleman who wasn't far from where I'm from because he had a Scouse accent. Oh. Um, I'm trying to remember what project it was from. I can't remember now. Uh, either way, we'll get him on the podcast, hopefully, so he can talk to all of us about his yeah, perspective. He's, he's but he made like a really a good, good point. Good point. I've definitely yeah. talked before about how play to earn games are unplayable if you're not trying to earn money. Then there's well, no point a lot of the time. I, I can name and shame this project now because it's actually closed. The one I tried to play was F1 Delta Time. And I spent 200 quid trying to get enough stuff to play this game and still was nowhere. And the, the actual racing experience was terrible. And F1 Delta Time ended up closing because F1 said, sorry, you can't use our name anymore. So Anna oh, Merkel Brands had to shut this. it down. I can't believe you spent <sighs> that much on it. It was ridiculous. I hated it. But anyway. Huh. So anyway, that's my rant about F1 Delta Time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see if and when any major gaming companies get involved with NFTs. I know Ubisoft has. Um, but Nintendo hasn't. They are only going to add NFTs to their games if they're confident that they can add joy to the experience. That's what they said. So I think we're still some time off before we see the likes of Nintendo and Sony jump into this. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> Every week. I'm going to start fining you for doing this. What are you going to find me? Like one... <laughs> one bitcoin <laughs> oh yeah one bitcoin sounds good to me Ooh. yeah well molly jane thank you so much for joining us this week we're going to let you wander off in peace and um you know e expel <laughs> the oat milk from your body there's nothing that needs to be expelled from my body connor i just need to lie down <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe oat milk's making you lie down 
I'm not a fan. Never dun, again. Dun. Never again. Mm -mm. Stick stick to the real stuff, will you? Yep. Yep. Terrible, terrible oh. decision. Do you feel bloated? <laughs> Do you feel utterly unwell? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any others. <laughs> well, um, Molly Jane, once again, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you this week. Talk to you again next week. Talk to you again next week. And that is it from us. Have a fantastic weekend. Please do leave us a review if you've enjoyed today's episode. Head to our website, coinmarketcap.com forward slash Alexandria for plenty more crypto news and features. From me, Connor Sefton and Molly Jane Zuckerman lying on a bed, regretting her decisions. Have a lovely weekend and we'll see you Monday. See you next week. <laughs>